0: Madam Vice President. You want to hang out with us? Get your vaccine. 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 And so I went to Human
1: Resources. There's some things I just can't tell you uh, on air. The Betches SUP Podcast.
0: A woman's problem, if you will.
2: Hello, I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Sammy Sage. And this is the Betches SUP Podcast, where C-SPAN meets the group chat to help you process and laugh at the biggest topics in U.S. news and politics. Today, we're joined by Gabrielle Wyatt. She's the founder of The Highland Project, which is focused on building and sustaining a pipeline of Black women leading communities, institutions, systems, all those places where decisions are made for Black women and for all of us. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thanks for having me.
1: This is perfect for President's Day because we are figuring out why there have been so many white male presidents, I guess. We're getting to the bottom of it in this very episode.
2: Yeah, I did actually last minute add that question that we definitely needed to uh, to address today is why why have they all been white men? Why have they all been white men? But before we sort of just to frame our conversation for our listeners, we're going to sort of talk about the state of black women at work and a little bit in politics. Can you talk about how that intersects with with your activism and what the Highland project does? Sure.
0: Um so I, you know, it's all interrelated. Um, we are solving for over 400 years of slavery, segregation, and institutionalized racism. And so from my perspective, um, for my life's work, what that means is that if we're serious that America is about multi-generational opportunity, it also must mean we have to be serious about multi-generational wealth building. And therefore, it means we have to be serious about across sectors, addressing the inequities that keep the current systems and wealth gaps in place. And so I was inspired to create the Highland Project, really thinking about my family's own legacy. Um, My father grew up um, and loved Highland Beach, which was the first Black enclave um, in Maryland. That was a creation of um, Frederick Douglass and his son. And it was really putting a stake in the ground about wealth, yes, meant purchasing property and passing that down to family and friends, but also meant a place to heal from racism. It also meant it was a place to strategize about how to tackle racist systems that we all were a part of or living under. And so the Highland Project is focused on how do we create solutions for us, by us, um, led by Black women, that are funded by Black women, and most importantly, executed by well-rested Black women. Um, And I think that, you know, at the heart of what we're trying to do is continue to prove that we've been at the center of impact and change for centuries and that we are worthy of investment, we're worthy of rest, and we're worthy of true leadership at tables.
2: Yeah, definitely. That's amazing. So I'd love to sort of start with talking about the impact of the pandemic on Black women at work. Sort of start kind of like hyper temporal. We know that COVID exacerbated social issues related to equal pay, childcare, some of the some of the things we were getting at before, and that many women haven't recovered. January job numbers came out recently. They were great for men. Men have basically made up all of their gains now, I believe, and we saw some improvements for women. Uh, the overall unemployment rate for women 20 and older, it hovered at 3.6%, but that is a much bigger number for black women. It's nearly 5.8% for black women. So 5.8% of black women were still unemployed. And there's reason to believe it's even higher because those numbers don't really consider um, how many people who was working at the start of the pandemic. So I'm just curious about Zooming out here, what factors do you think are contributing to these numbers, and how much of this is you know directly pandemic related, and how much is the like same structural inequities that you talked about you know at force at play
0: again? Yeah, um, for me, at the heart of it again, it's the same structural inequities. But what we see is that when we apply Band-Aid solutions, when you have moments like we've we still are in, in the pandemic, you're exacerbating the problem. And so pre-pandemic, we know that Black women were also still the furthest behind Mm -hmm. in the unemployment rate. And now we're seeing that exacerbated against the backdrop, in my opinion, of two things, that we've seen an uneven and an inconsistent public health response to the pandemic Mm -hmm. over the last two years. And two, we've seen a childcare infrastructure that frankly, right now feels like it's hanging by a thread, right? We know that over 100,000 workers are still missing from this sector alone. We know that childcare facilities are failing and that they're failing in the very same neighborhoods that Black, Latino, and Asian Americans are living in. When you're faced with the fact that a childcare center may not open again, right, that those closures may be permanent, that impacts how you're thinking about navigating the workforce. And so, in my opinion, When we don't center solutions, when we don't reimagine systems to be focused on those most impacted by structural inequities, this is the crisis that happens. And so, yes, we need to see increased vaccination rates among kids. That's going to be instrumental in supporting our economic recovery as Black women. But that's not going to be enough. We have to see that work in tandem with targeted economic policies that create on-ramps for the job market, particularly for Black women with childcare needs.
1: So can you give an example of what you referenced earlier? Like what's a Band-Aid solution versus a systemic solution? And I know that your organization, The Highland Project, has a really unique approach to that. So how do you create systemic solutions?
0: So I think when we see one-time infusions of cash that are given out and yet a proven program like the Child Tax Credit, which has provided stability not only for Black moms, right, but for Americans writ large. When we see those hanging in um, ridiculous debate, right, like at a standstill, that's a problem because, in my opinion, the tax credit addresses a structural inequity. The one-time infusions of cash are helpful, right, But, but they're not undergirding the system of inequity that we're seeing. Um, So for me, I think, Sammy, about one of our inaugural Highland leaders, Aisha, who lives in Jackson, Mississippi, leads Magnolia's Mother's Trust and has piloted piloted guaranteed income with Black mothers and has shown that this could be a structural solution for meaningfully and respectfully uplifting women out of poverty um, as a solution.
2: Yeah, that, that reminds me of – I mean, a recent study, I think, came out that said when you – these child tax credits directly contributed to, like, better brain development in babies, which I personally would like to live in a world where our, our new people are better brain developed. <laughs> like, it's good
1: for oh, all yeah. of us. yeah. We are way behind on the brain development. <laughs> that much is clear.
3: Hey, American Fever Dream listeners. I'm here to tell you that there is no reason to panic the next time you're searching for the perfect gift because now you can use gift mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy is here to take the stress out of gifting so you can find the perfect item for anyone for any occasion. And it's easy. You just tap or click Gift Mode in your Etsy app or Etsy.com and then answer a few questions about who you're shopping for and what they like. And Gift Mode instantly gives you a curated gift idea list based on hundreds of personas. Now it is simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. So whether you need a Mother's Day gift for the quilter or a birthday present for the vintage hunter, there is something for everyone on Etsy. Some of my favorite things to do are go to Etsy gift mode and then search absurd things like, what kind of gifts do you have with Walter Cronkite on them? What kind of gifts do you have for dachshund owners? There's jewelry, ceramic, toys, board games, all kinds of fun stuff. A gifting moment is always right around the corner, whether it's a birthday, an anniversary, a holiday, or even just a day to say thank you. Gift mode on Etsy has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try gift mode on Etsy now.
2: Today's episode of American Fever Dream is brought to you by Newly. Have you ever felt that fast fashion ick, but can't always afford the super high end stuff? I have a solution for you. It's Newly. Newly has everything you need to bring your closet up to speed for the season without breaking the bank. Free your closet of impulse purchases and skip the buyer's remorse by renting instead. Newly is a subscription rental service, and for just $98 a month, you get your choice of any six styles. They also have inclusive sizing up to 5X, as well as petite and maternity. So you mentioned generational wealth and the importance of that and how the different ways that Black people, specifically Black women, have been locked out of that. I want to sort of tie that into some recent data, adding on to the unemployment numbers that I think is really interesting, which is that Black business ownership is up by almost 30%, according to the BLS, compared with pre-pandemic levels. And Black women entrepreneurs are driving most of that growth. So what do you think is that? What's What's contributing to this trend, do you think? Do you, what aren't typical industries or workplaces offering, such that these entrepreneurs are going at it alone?
0: Um, so you know, I think first, I'm going to assume the, the three of us are aligned. Like we want to lead, we want to be respected, and we want to experience joy in what we do. Um, and so I think it just like to first answer your that's question. that's pretty radical.
2: But, I don't know.
1: That sounds no, it, pretty actually, crazy. No. It's, <laughs> It's funny, it actually is radical because like the country is wholly not structured around that at all. So Mm -hmm. it's incredibly radical. I mean in
0: reality, not that radical of a thought, you know. So yeah. But I you know, I start there though because I like I I hate seeing this entire last couple of months framed as the great resignation because I just know those three pieces to be true about myself and why I started the Highland project and women around me who have started their own organizations or really just restructured their lives. Um, and it was beyond the last two years. Um, I think what we do see an increasing trend of is the placement of women, period, and particularly Black women in quote unquote leadership roles, but often still being the only in those roles and not ever truly being given a seat at the table to And so what I'm curious about is what was the data before the pandemic about the number of black women who had side hustles, who were taking on consulting contracts because they wanted to lead. They wanted to feel respected. They wanted to experience joy. And I think what happened my hunch in this pandemic was in that pause, there was a sinking in that we're sitting at these tables that are created by a white white male dominated structure that produces daily microaggressions and macroaggressions and daily limits our ability to innovate and limits our ability to lead. And I think that because of that, many of us said, you know what, these don't have to be side hustles anymore, right? This I don't have to grind it out in order to experience joy, in order to experience value, in order to have my leadership realize is truly impactful.
1: I also think 2020 was really illuminating of how not only do these structures organizationally not serve Black women especially, but the consumer offering also doesn't because the, because of who is making the decisions. And I think that is actually what has enabled a, a demand for these, you know, side hustle jobs that actually become, you know, s- to actually become successful because they're, pre- they're basically creating, they're responding to a demand that is, has already been there. But because of sort of the way so- society was structured at that point and what people thought the potential was, there was no real way to serve it. But um so in that way, it has been really an opportunity. Yes.
2: yes. Yeah. That's an interesting point. Yeah. As you were talking, I was thinking like, the great resignation kind of just refers to like a lot of white collar, largely white privileged employees suddenly realizing the workplace sucks. But like black women have always known it sucks because it's always sucked (laughs) extra for them. So I think that is so interesting. It's like this business growth is is definitely really high, but I'd also be curious to see how it compared previously because yeah, a lot of people now are like saying fuck it, but conditions were there for black women at work to say fuck it forever, I think.
0: Yes. Yes. That's right. And I do think The onus is now shifting to organizations that claim to make racial equity commitments, particularly with dollars, to help ensure that these businesses stay alive, right? Like what we know across sectors is that leaders of color, period, experience underinvestment when they start their own ventures. And yet, you know, I think, Sam, to your point, they're starting ventures that have been long awaited, right, longed for by their consumer. And I think there's a, you know, a big onus right now, in my opinion, on all of these organizations that made big commitments two years ago and got very little dollars out the door to put their money where their mouths are and help this moment of incredible entrepreneurship and innovation that we've known in our DNA as Black Americans to really continue um, and transform what we're seeing.
2: Yeah, I think that's yeah, such an important point. Like, as these businesses, as we all reject these circumstances, we also have to like support the people that reject them and and break out on their own. You also, how do you how do you try to sort of like correct for that imbalance investment with the Highland Project?
0: Yeah, so you know, I'd say a couple of things. One, we um, are trying to redefine what wealth means at the Highland Project, and so I think that's the first important thing to know about us. Um, we don't think about it as purely dollars in pocket. We know that dollars in pocket are great, right? Particularly in an American society, but it's not enough. It's not enough if we're experiencing disproportionate health um, outcomes that are negative, right? It's not enough if we don't have access to incredible schools that can even help us to earn a higher wage. And so at Highland, we think about wealth as ensuring students have economic justice, ensuring that um, we have educational justice, that our well-being is protected and thriving, and that we're able to operate in democracy um, in a way that truly represents us, right? That our issues are showing up across all levels, that our leadership is showing up at all levels. And so what we're doing is we're tackling an intersectional challenge by investing in every year, 15 women who sit at the intersections of um, at least two of those areas. Our goal is to first and foremost, sustain their leadership, we unapologetically focus on well-being and not the trendy face mask and Mm -hmm. and bubble bath, but really understanding what is our relationship to rest? What is our relationship to mental health, financial well-being? Because we know that if those things are not thriving, if we're only in survival mode, we can't be here to pursue multi-generational change. And that's a loss not only for our communities, but for everyone. The second piece is that we invest in their brilliance. We invest $100,000 in unrestricted capital in each woman, um, not her organization, but in the brilliance that she will come up with during her time with us at the Highland Project. Think about it as the MacArthur Genius Award for Black Women. We know that when trusted leaders have trusted capital, they do things to propel America forward. um, And we're doing that um, by centering Black women um, and centering, ensuring that we honor their rest and their brilliance.
1: Can you talk a little bit more about your perspective on rest, like, because, I mean, the concept of rest, I think, has been so butchered by Instagram in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. What what is your perspective on, like, the right, I guess, amount of rest, like, how you ensure that people are rested and, like, even controlling for some of those life circumstances that
0: we can – none of us can control, really?
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, I think about it first as a Black woman, as understanding why rest feels um, often the beginning of a journey as um, something to push away, right? Because our bodies had, had only been used from the moment we arrived in this country for work. And that actually, if we rested, we wouldn't be here, right? We wouldn't survive another day. And so... I think this that, I think this is a piece that has been bastardized by social media, right, about rest, particularly for Black women and people of color, is that rest has been um, socialized in our very core as something that could equal death, right? Like it could equal not being able to continue to be here to think about building a legacy and seeing your legacy be built. Um, and so I think understanding and unpacking that journey, Dr. Gail Parker um, is phenomenal. She's a body of work um, that is probably like is older than the three of us on the phone. Um, That's incredible about the impact of racial trauma on stress um, and on rest. And Dr. Gail Parker was doing this before it became the trendy thing to talk about. And so um, first, that's a long way to say my response is like, go back to our history and go back to the research because this isn't new this isn't new. Um, Two, we need to figure out our seasons of what rest means. And so, you know, I often say for people who I coach or mentor, like rest isn't sleep, don't confuse that with it, right? Rest is your ability to tap into a place in your core where you hear your breath and you can see your imagination. Um, And that could look like a five-minute practice that could look like a two-hour practice. That's going to change based on the season. Um, But what I do know from my own study of rest, um, I study under Octavia Rahim, um, whose yoga mama was Dr. Gail Parker, Um, is Dr. Gail Parker. What I know about my own rest is that it comes in seasons. um, And that I know that if it were not for my rest journey I wouldn't have imagined Highland. Um, And that's not to sound all hippy-dippy and that there's crystals behind me in my apartment. um, (laughs) But it's to say that rest is different than sleep. Rest is different than hopping on your Peloton as a way to exert energy, right, or to clear your head.
2: Yeah. As you were talking in the beginning about like the generational trauma associated with like a a fear of rest, it just makes like what Simone Biles and Naomi Osaka do even more powerful and like just the like deep – forces that they are working against in that moment and like how hard it really was for them to stand up. I also want to talk about some of the polling you do. I mean, we're able to access sometimes diverse polling, but these polling groups still are, are large. I don't know how diverse they are. Your polling is, you know, by black women for black women. What, what have been some of your most interesting findings with
0: that? Sure. Um, I'd say one, you know, we, we felt validated in this notion cool. yeah. of, uh, <laughs> right? Like, validated, period. I yeah. think yeah. one, you know, it was a pretty surreal experience as a really? to wow. see yeah. 700 voices, right? Like, repeated back to you. Um, and I think specifically, you know, this notion that it's okay to say that wealth is more than money, um, that it's about the ability to have loving relationships, it's about the ability to pursue your educational goals. While not being saddled with debt, it's your ability to have access to healthy foods. Um, that was validating. And it also, you know, it, it made sense to us, right? Of like, it's not, we want to experience joy, right? I, like, I, I just, I just deeply believe everyone wants to experience joy. Um, and that that is a definition of wealth in and of itself. Um, I think what was the hardest to, Um, Swallow, frankly, was looking at the numbers around the daily experiences with discrimination, racial discrimination, um, and sexual harassment. Um, And so we saw that um, pretty loud and clear in the data. Um, Over one third of Black women experience um, racism in their daily lives. Um, And to see that imprint was something that was incredibly jarring. And then when you put that next to, you know, the top Things that are um, items that black women wanted not only policymakers but leaders across sectors to respond to number one most understandably, therefore, was racial discrimination, followed by voting rights, followed by education um so it you know it was a surreal experience to see data um bias for us, as you say um and to really look at you know that we this question, right, of has the needle really changed, right? Or has it really moved? Um, That that I think was part of the hardest part of going through that data set
1: All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us.
0: Mintmobile.com
3: slash switch.
0: Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if
2: rated PG. So you've sort of been talking about getting at this idea, I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, that like, our, our our inherent value and even our like wealth is not defined by our productivity. And this these are sort of, these are also political concepts in a way that a lot of our politicians and elected leaders kind of promise to pursue in social policy and things like paid leave and a child tax credit and just like, you know, the radical notion that you just like deserve as a person on the planet to have a place to live and, and enough to eat. So on that note, I mean, Black women elected this Democratic president and the democratic government. That's sort of known. He thanks them frequently, but it's kind of unfortunately so far not been able to deliver on a lot of the policies that address some of those things I said that would address a lot of these challenges black women are still facing in the workplace or caring for children, caring for other family members. You know, we know that all of this comes down, unfortunately, to like a few senators, but still we're not seeing the results. So I'm curious if you think politicians who have relied on support from black women are in for reality check in November. What are you, what is your sense that voters need to see to feel comfortable and to feel motivated to support this party?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think certainly I hope so. And I can only like think in that spirit of optimism that we see a change. And I say that because it is clear that uh, in my opinion while there may have been strides, we have not at all hit it out of the park, right? Like we still sit in a ridiculous limbo on the protection of voting rights. Um, and, you know, what we saw in our data was that, which was interesting when we were in the field was when the White House was touting economic outcomes for all. And yeah, what we saw in our poll was that for over a third of Black women, they said, no, the economy is not back, stupid, right? They said, <laughs> um, in particular among millennials, that it was some of the hardest times that they were experiencing against the backdrop of student loan forgiveness being in limbo. So I think that there is, I'm optimistic, particularly as I think about our power, legacy, the national poll, there is an awakened um, sense or conscience that policymakers haven't moved the needle um, on the issues that are near and dear to us, right, or the issues that we need to change. Um, And I think that this inability to move on voting rights, Mm -hmm. this inability to move on work-family policies, and this inability to move on student loan forgiveness, I think that's like a royal trifecta um, that I hope... um, has voters really moving with their feet yeah. um, in the fall instead of staying at home, which I think is, you know, on the days that I wake up on the wrong side of my bed, that like that is my concern, right? Mm-hmm. Is that we do not see ourselves valued in democracy other than putting someone in a seat. And I can understand why, why that could be a belief, right? Because that mm-hmm. is how you insured us, Amanda, exactly what it mm-hmm. feels like is going on. Um, and so- For those listening, if you are that voter who is deeply questioning, are you valued in democracy? Please show up. Please show up. Because us not showing up means we will continue to be written out of this democracy. Definitely. And speaking of democracy,
1: this is President's Day. And uh, we still have not had a woman president, let alone a black woman president. What do you think is going to take for that to happen?
0: You know the Highland Project. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. I mean, um, that's it. That's that's the yeah. quote. It is yeah. the Highland.
2: <laughs> Give somebody a hundred k, and then she'll be she'll be potent in no dive.
0: Yeah. Well, I hope you are
1: taking today to rest for real, since it is a bank holiday. Um, <laughs> yes. I don't, know what, I don't know that that really. What does that even mean anymore? But yeah.
2: <laughs> so
0: where can people um, learn more about your work and what you do with the Highland Project? Sure. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Lead Highland. You can find our website at thehighlandproject.org. Um, but follow us on social and um, you'll see that we're pretty dope black women trying to change the world. Awesome. Yeah, it's
2: incredible. Definitely check it out. We're so grateful that you could join us today. Until the end of Democracy, I'm Amanda DeBerman. I'm Sammy Sage. And this is the Veggie of Podcast. Bye.